what's up, everyone? I'm your host, Miranda X, and I would like to welcome you all to another episode of the Dining Room Table. I am joined by a powerful, innovative, highly favored, and authentic Black man. He is from <laughs> South Central LA, one time for the East Side. Um, he is multi-talented. He is a music artist, an actor, a producer, and an award-winning director. He has his own film company called Rider for Life Films. And of course, I cannot forget to say that he is a father and most importantly, a conduit of God. When I tell y'all God is talking through this man and using this man to change lives through his art, he has several life-changing films. One of his short films is Hands Up, Don't Shoot. That won four awards, one award being Best Short Film for the Justice on Child Film Festival. And one of his other films, my all-time favorite film, because it personally changed my life and my way of thinking when it came up to my relationship with my dad, is his film Frank Blue. And that won two awards, one award being the Best Feature Film for the Las Vegas Black Film Festival. So please go check my men out and support Black independent film companies because it's important that our story and our experiences is told from our perspective. So I know y'all hear it in my voice, but I'm honored to have him as a guest today. So without further delay, I want to welcome JT Thompson to my show. So what's up, family? <laughs> what up, M Extra Money? What's cracking with you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I've been getting this adulting stuff down, is what I would say and what I would call it. So I'm just getting my life together as always. How are you yeah, doing? Yeah. Man, I'm blessed and highly favored, man. No complaints. You you almost brought a tear to a rider high, man, with that with that intro, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that from the soul. Seriously. No problem. I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> That's all that How was your um your weekend? Um, my weekend was good. It was good, man. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually in Vegas, uh, doing my usual program. And I do, I usually come out here to, uh, pray, meditate, read books and, and just get myself together, like all the way together. So man, it's, it's been cool thus far. I'm fasting. So, you know, just getting it in, getting ready for the year. Getting ready yeah. for the year. Did you watch the, uh, the Super Bowl? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> was you going for the Rams? Or? No, I was, I was going for the Patriots. Okay. You, uh, and I got a reason why. I got a reason why because I know people be be on my head because they say uh, it's L.A. this, L.A. that. Well, um, I just so happen to love, love, love Eric Thomas, right? Oh, and, I love E.T. Say say less. He, he, he the truth, and he uses um, Tom Brady a lot. You know, I, I look up to Tom Brady as as just a, a team leader. It's me being a leader of my team, and they. I just love their schemes. I'm a, I'm an ex football player, so. I, I watch it from a football man perspective. So I was looking at it more like me watching one of my idols play football and winning six championship rings. That's right, right, right. Um, man, the super so you know I'm in Atlanta and the Super yeah. Bowl is out here and I'm like, I'm not even from Atlanta, but I want all these people to go home. <laughs> yeah, I know I mean I know it was live. I know it was turned up out there. It was, but it was so much traffic. And Atlanta yeah. traffic is already horrible. It was it it was a lot. It was too much. So wow. I'm just glad that that is over, but it was a lot of events going on in the city, so that was nice. Let me ask you, did you did you check it out? What, the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't watch football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just a spectator. I'm just like, I, I asked people, did they watch it? Um, because I know that was something big, but no, I don't watch football. I think I'm uh, more of a, um, like, if I knew somebody that played football, I, mm -hmm. think I would be more excited, but because um, I don't really know nothing about football. It doesn't excite me. But I know it uh, does bring people together, but it's not for me. Got you. You know, there was a lot of controversy with it uh, due to the Kaepernick stuff. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot of our people was like, if you watch it, sell out all yes. this other type of stuff. Yeah. It was tricky. Yeah. And, and I know, and I, I just, when it comes to that, I think uh, the difference of reactive and proactive um people and i'm like i already know i'm for the people so whether i watch it or not i'm good but it's not for me exactly so i'm good yeah um yeah. but really honestly before i get down to it i asked you on my show because i respect you and i admire you and i know you have a story Likewise, to tell 
And I know you know yes. you have a story to tell. So we're going to just roll with the punches. And I want you to be comfortable in your truth and whatever that truth looks like for you. And um, you may not know what to say or what to expect, but just know that God is going to guide you and talk through you. So just be you, okay? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So one of the first things that came to my mind when I asked you to be a guest on my show was, Dale, JT is like my guardian angel because you and I and I tell you this all the time, but really you always seem to text me with words of encouragement and affirmation when I need to hear it the most. And it's scary. I was telling Kendon that. And I grew up or I didn't I shouldn't say I grew up, but I have seven brothers. And yeah. it's all love to my brothers, but none of them have inspired me or made me feel protected like you and some of my other male friends and to see and to know a black man with your grind, your passion, your energy, it honestly speaks to my spirit. So um, the first thing I really want to do is I want to know how you became the man you are today. What's your story? Oh man. Well, uh, a lot, (laughs) a lot of the man I became today has a lot to do, um, to do with my father. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in in a two parent home uh, which was a blessing and a curse. You know, I always like to tell people, um, people think when you usually grow up in a two parent home, everything is fine. You get whatever you want. But, um, I deal with a lot, you know, uh, dealing with my parents, um, some infidelity issues. Just, it was a lot of things that I dealt with that shaped me into being a man that I am today. And just, um, I always been in a God, you know, I got baptized when I was eight years old. I used to walk down to church myself. I always felt like God had a, a specific, calling onto my life and just now it took me almost uh 30 years to realize a lot of the shit that i was going through was all for a purpose and i feel that purpose was to help the next uh person not go through similarities and things that i went through you know what i'm saying just with the heartbreaks um diseases a lot of things that i read similar like in your book it touched me a lot it touched me a lot because we had a lot of similar stories so this um just a lot of pain, man, just growing pains and just, you know, growing up in South Central Los Angeles. It was where I grew up on, on, the, on the east side, it was kill or be killed. We had to fight for everything. We had to fight to get on football teams. We had to fight for education. And it was either you was playing basketball or gangbanging. It was or football, sports or gangbanging. It was either or. And I choose to play sports, but I knew sports wasn't my, my proper calling. So I had to figure out, figure out something else, how to get to the people, how to reach the people without – joining a gang, but still being from the trenches, but not mm-hmm. being in the trenches. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like being a part of it. So um, just, I mean, trial and error, man, is a reason why I'm the man I am today. And just wanting to be just a, a, a savior, a messenger of God. So do you have a specific time that you can reflect back on when, or a specific experience where you was like, this is my, this is my changing point, or this is my turning point. This was the shift for me. And can you kind of explain and elaborate on that? Oh, we oui, it was ah oh, man, it was <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot of those. So I'm, I'm let me see. I'm gonna find one that 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 stuck out to me. Um, I was I attempted suicide twice, and on the third time that I was getting ready to, um, I think that was a turning point for me because I was getting ready. It was actually two two years ago. It was a year uh, that we shot hands up, don't shoot. So it was 2016. I have been going through um, a major court situation with my son, mom, and I just got to a breaking point where I felt like, you know, life isn't for me no more. I didn't try it. I've been helping people. I've been looking out for people. I'm always the last to eat. I'm always the last to look out for myself. Sometimes I don't even look, look out for myself. And I'm like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. So I had a conversation with my father. I said, two things are going to happen. I said, either I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to just get up, pack my stuff, and just leave and go to another state and never come back. Never, ever, ever come back. I said, I'm going to grow all my facial hair out. I'm going to look like a grizzly. I'm going to get a regular job. I'm not doing music. I'm not doing film no more. I just want to be a regular guy. I want everything back in L.A. to stay here, and I'm just going to leave. And he said, well, I posed a question to you. And I said, well, what's that? He said, you think your problems are going to be solved? I said, yeah. And he said, well, how is that? He said, you think running away, he said, you don't think you're going to have a child out there? Because if you leave, you're leaving your children out here who look up to you and who you inspire. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm a failure. You know, I made mistakes with their moms and yada, yada, yada. And now I'm just a statistic because I wanted to be a father like you, but I broke the family curse and I became a baby daddy or baby father. 
as people would call it. You know, I was speaking that negativity into my life. So I told, so he was like, if you go out there, you don't think you're going to have a kid out there? And I said, nah, man, I ain't even going to deal with no females, man. I'm just going to be solo. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in complete peace and solitude by myself, get an apartment and just be alone, just be a mute. And I mean, it was like, really, JT, you ain't going to mess with no females out there. And I started laughing. <laughs> right. I, started laughing. I said, okay, I, I said, okay, well, all right, I might, I'm going to mess with some females, but he was like, and you don't think, what if you get one pregnant out there? You don't think she's going to have your kid? I said, well, it's a possibility. And he said, well, when I go and get stuff out there, you're going to move to another state? And then I said, damn, mm-hmm. you're right. You do got to get tough out there. And you don't want to be with this person or you guys don't work out. And he said, it's going to be the same pattern that, that's out here. And then you'll catch yourself going to court or doing the same similar things out there. And what you're going to do is go from state to state and yada, yada, do, making babies. I said, nah. I said, nah. He said, well. He said, you got a lot to think about. And he just left that with me. And, you know, I went on the rooftop. We we stayed in an apartment complex. I was like six, seven stories high. So I went all the way to the top of the roof and was just overlooking the city and just just thinking. I'm like, damn, I can jump right now and just end in all, in all this pain, sleepless nights, me trying to be a lawyer overnight and, and, and fight for my son because I really want to be this incredible father in his life. And I'm like, I'm just telling God, like, God, I just, I can't. How much... How much you putting on me? I just can't bear it. I know you said that you, you're going to put, you know, a lot on someone or more than someone can bear on somebody, but I just can't do it. You know, people was cutting their back on me, backstabbing me, doing me dirty. People that I, I gave opportunities to and looked out for and gave my last two. I'm like, I can't do it. And then I said, well, if I jump, I said, the only people I'll be hurting is the people who really truly care about me and love me. And that mm-hmm. I inspire. And I said, would that really be love or would that be some selfish shit? that I'm doing just what, you know, just to take the easy way out. And I said, then the only people who will be winning in this situation is people who hurt me or people who I was like, he ain't shit or he no good and all this other type of stuff. So I stood on the rooftop, like I was getting ready to jump. And I really thought for like five minutes and I'm like, man, I could just end this shit now. And then I got down and I said, nah, I ain't going to do this. But I needed to get out the city just to, you know, hit the hit the refresh button, hit the reset button and just get some things straight. So um, I ended up going to um, one of my one of my partner's um, houses or places in uh, Kentucky. I went out there for about two weeks and I said, when I go out there, if I do come back, I'm not going to be the same man that I was. I'm going to fight for everything or I'm going to die attempting fighting, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to wave the white flag and miss the battle no more. I can't do it. You know, I said, I'm going to continue to fight for my kids. When I went out there, I took um, different different books with me. Just And I wasn't even a reader at this point. I hated reading. I hated reading because reading just didn't grab my attention like films or whatever did. So I took some books out there. I took a Joyce Myers book out there. I took an Eric Thomas book out there. And it's a funny story behind the Eric Thomas book. But I took an Eric Thomas book out there and another book. And while I was out there, I said, I'm, I'm not going to go out, not going to go clubbing. I'm not going to party, party or anything. I'm going to just sit right here and just just um, rehabilitate myself, like like as if I was mm-hmm. in prison or something. You know what I'm saying? So I was working mm-hmm. out every day, praying, writing, and manifesting my dreams. I had um, a time where I would pray and meditate from 10 to 12. Sometimes it would go on all day. I was listening to um, E.T. do his thing. I had, like, downloaded at least – 10 to 15 Eric Thomas videos and I would just listen to them Mm -hmm. as I'm working out and getting myself just pumped up and like, man, this is it. So when I came back, I hit my team and said, it's it's over. And they was like, damn, you just look different. You act different. I said, no more, no more, no more quitting. I said, this is it. And then we filmed hands up and the rest, the rest was history after that. I ain't looked back ever since. I'm so, and when I hear that, it, it amazes me because I didn't know who you were before the hands up, don't shoot, right? Yeah, and yeah. when I got the hands up, don't shoot, it was so powerful. It was a powerful scene when Kenan sent that to me, which I don't think he was supposed to. <laughs> <That is> so- <laughs> which- <laughs> we got shown and we were able to um, show that. Um, to the CSUN community and I was like wow it changed so many lives and if you can tell me how did you transition I guess your thought process from um I guess just starting out and leaving everything where it was at to going to shoot hands up don't shoot well I felt um the, the film I shot before that was called I believe it was called like um 
either it was either last call or simple request, but it wasn't something that really that it, it was it wasn't of sub- substance to me, if I would say. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? It's a cool film. It was just a typical black film to me. And I said, I don't want to just be the typical black director. I want to make some something that that is impactful to people that's going to touch the hearts and souls of people. So I figured doing I think some of the best stories or the greatest stories told are the ones that we actually live that are coming from the storyteller mm-hmm. or the person that's um, that's doing a narrative. I feel like, you know, the stories that we live, our experience are the best and the greatest stories to tell because so many people, it reaches so many people because we put our heart, soul, and passion into it that when people watch it, they feel what you put into it. You get what I'm saying? So that's why I wanted to hit hard with hands up, don't shoot. And, and just at the time, I felt that it was a message that needs to be told. That hasn't been that. I mean, that that's been told low key, but it hasn't really been told told uh, to me in the right way, where people are really pressing that issue and really bringing up the conversation. When are you cops gonna stop killing us? Period. Can you actually point out? Because it wasn't just about police brutality in Hands mm-hmm. Up Don't Shoot. At least for me, it was yeah. a few other things in Hands Up Don't Shoot that you um. You, you put out there, can you say some of the things that oh, for the yeah. listeners who have never seen Hands Up, Don't Shoot, what are some things that were in there? Just every day as um, waking up as a black man, I feel a lot of a lot of people don't understand how hard it is, especially our women, our black sisters. So, you know, um, there's a scene where the dude is getting up to hustle or to go work, look for work, and his girl is just on him and on him and on him. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, I've been in I've been in a lot of situ I was in a situation too personally like that where I had a job or whatever and whenever, you know, of course you had your intimate time or you had your time where you chilling with your, your love and your girlfriend or whatnot and it's time to go to work or it's time to go hustle. Usually if if the time if the time well spent was good or it was hell of a woman, she kinda hate when you gotta get up and leave. And I, thought, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was on some Trey Song shit. I don't want to leave, but I gotta go. I gotta go right now. You feel me? <laughs> yes. So, and in the movie, it was that same situation um, where he had to get up and go hustle. And he did have a job. He just had a job that she felt that he needed to have or that she wanted him to have. So it became an issue or whatever. And in a, a lot of situations, man, uh, black women don't understand how we can find y'all with so much and we. We give y'all our everything, and sometimes when we come to y'all, man, like, we may not be in the position that you want us to be in our life, but when we're working at it, we just want y'all to be patient in the matter. But we're working hard, you know, and a lot of women don't understand that, man. It's a lot just being a black man growing up in America today. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, actually, that scene, that, that scene spoke to me a lot because I caught myself in what I do and what I say to black men. Right, mm-hmm. especially like, yeah. why are you doing that? Like, yeah, I, I remember you said that. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm like, wow, here I am, and because that scene made me feel like, and you could talk about it some more, but in that the short film, you see the character. Not only does he have issues outside with the police, with gangs, and it was, um, it was a store clerk who, um, um start tripping on him. Yeah, and then and then you got his girl, and I always feel like, damn, like there's issues outside that black men have to deal with. We shouldn't come; he shouldn't have to come home. Even as a black woman, I shouldn't have to come home and then deal with this too. Like I got enemies yeah. outside. I don't need my woman or my man to be my enemy as well. And so that that scene spoke volumes to me because it check. I had to check myself and say, yeah, you know yeah. what? A lot of times, I I stop becoming a partner. And become yeah. someone who is a boss or someone who is looking like a drill on a black man. Exactly. Like yeah, you need to yeah. get this done and how I want it to get done. And I and I had to and so I appreciate that in that film um as well. Yeah, and you know, you know, I think it's it's one of them things where I feel, you know, it's just both parties gotta be considerate of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, because at, at times I ain't gonna lie, we dudes, we trip too. We come in on the bullshit and we don't expect we don't understand how hard it is for a black woman. You get what I'm saying? And sometimes black women just need to be hugged out of nowhere and told, I love you and I'm here for you. You know, and it's it's, it's so bad now. You try to do that to a, a black woman. She think you want something or she mm. like what you doing. It's, it's strange. It's strange behavior. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Even even just calling her and saying, hey, I just wanted to tell you I love you. 
You know, it's like, well, what's up? Everything good? What you need to tell? It's like, no, nah, damn, I just want to tell you I love you. I can't, you know what I'm saying? And I think we got to learn to practice or we got to start practicing getting out of that old behavior of doing that. We got to start telling each other I, I love you and everything. I, I make it a habit at least three to four times a week to tell people, the people I care about the most, I love them out of nowhere. But sometimes I got to catch myself. Can you hear me still? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I no, nah, man, I got to check. I got to uh -huh. <laughs> But sometimes I got to catch myself telling them, like, hey, I didn't want nothing. I'm just tapping in to tell you I love you. I do that to Kendi. Like, hey, yeah. bro, I don't, want, I don't want nothing to care, folk, but I just want to tell you I love you, man. And I don't be taking that, oh, I got love for you, too, bro. Much love. Like, nigga, tell me you love me, too. Right. Okay, no, that's real because I know even in my book, I have a quote that says, why do I have to be with you just to, um, um, why do I got to be with you just to show you that I love you? Or why mm -hmm. do I have to be with you? Um, just show you that I care. And I think a lot of us are used to people um, wanting things from us. Or, yes. you know, another thing that I struggle with for a long time, and it's in my book, but even with basic stuff, it could be reversed. Because you know how, like, sometimes, or how you said, um, you people, uh, you said women don't really, like, they feel like they want something out of you when you hit them up or say you love them, so you got to give them mm -hmm. this camera, like, oh, boo. I just want to, yeah. I love you, but I don't want to. Don't cuss, don't cuss a nigga out. I just want to tell you I love you. Right. But say, for example, <laughs> I used to, as I was growing up, say if you told me you loved me, right? And I ain't never mm -hmm. heard that before. And you know, that's basic level stuff. Like, I just want to let you yes. know that I love you. I care for you. For me, I would um, hold on to that and really just fall in love with you. Like, if, if you called uh, me in my younger days, and I think that that had, um, I think that's something that we got to work on too, because. Um, and it could be men and women, but uh -huh, people exactly. do basic level stuff. And then we take that and we run with them and be like, oh, I love them. Or, oh, I got to marry this person. Or, oh, I because they yeah, never so had true. that before. That is so true. Yeah. That is so true. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree. And you got it. No, go ahead. You should. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was, it was, it was, um, it was other, it was other issues in there too. Like, you know, dealing with the, the dudes in the community, the gang bangers, the local gang members, how, um, you know, he come outside after getting into it with his girl. It's like the the whole film is just a, it's, it's a domino effect of if it isn't mm -hmm. one thing, it's, it's another. another. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's really, that's really how it is every day for the black man. No matter how hard we attempt to mask it and, and cover it with our machismo, it's, it's, that's really the reality and the realism of it, you know what I'm saying? No matter how tough you are, no matter what hoods you from, no matter what barrel, what city, what gang, what state, that's the, the real harsh reality of being a black man in America. It's like, if it ain't one problem, it's the next. If we're not getting into it with our girl, we're getting into it with the dudes in our neighborhood. And if we ain't getting into it with them, we're going into a store we've been coming to for 20 years, and they still on some racist shit, and I ain't never took nothing from them. From now, the cops is stopping me, and they doing a stop and frisk, or when they pull me over, they're automatically reaching for their gun, you know what I'm saying, and becoming hostile with me, you know? So that's that's basically, in a nutshell, what the film is about until, you know, the person uh, who was played by Ken and Michael gets to his boiling point, where it's just, it's, it's too much. Enough is enough, you know? So my question to you is, as a Black woman, as a daughter, as a sister, what can I, and as a friend, what can I do or what can black women do to help better support you navigate this world or um, support you in general? I would say, I would say, love us how you guys want to be loved. We're all human beings. And sometimes people think, well, he a man, that's nigga man up. Now, a lot of, a lot of sisters say that now, mm -hmm. man up, or excuse my friend, nigga, stop acting like a bitch. <laughs> you feel what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. That's what our music, our music is telling us to talk to each other like that, but you don't hear country or rock and roll telling their people to talk to each other like that. Only our music has us degrading and putting each other down to where we, we listen to it and digest it so much to where we forget that we're human beings and we treat each other like animals and like we ain't shit. And that's not the case. So I would say, um, you know, love, love us and be there for us as you will want someone to be there for, for you guys. That's so what me, I would say. Let me ask you a question, though. If I if I don't know how to be loved, how can I expect you in a way that I want to be loved if I don't know how to be loved properly? Ah, Let's learn to love. Let's learn how to love together. Let's do some research. Mm. 
Let's figure it out. You feel what so I'm what saying? So what does that look like? That, hey, to me, that can be Google <laughs> to some people. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just uh-huh. keeping it real. Google got everything now. Um, so what it can do you be... Google? Like, black, how to, how to love the black man? How to no, love the black woman? It's just, I mean, you can learn, uh, you can Google, like, man, like, how to love. What is love? What's the definition of love? I feel before you, before you issue out any type of emotion, you got to learn, you got to understand it first. You got to know what it is first before you issue it out. So it's just a matter of, you know, and I think, I think it, it, love, real honest love, it comes with common sense attached to it. You get what I'm saying? That that's just how I feel sometimes because it's like if you don't want a person, if you don't want me to hit you, don't hit me. Right. If you don't want me to hurt your feelings, don't hurt my feelings. If you know you're getting ready to say something that can hurt me, then you got to be ready for what I'm gonna say that's gonna hurt you too. When you got you have some people, both men and women, who have been taking that all their lives and not saying nothing back. By the time they get to somebody who love them and that person they love make that slip up and say it, this person, this individual lets out everything from when they were a child all the way now to, to the present day to when this dude or this woman says something all, all off the chart to him because they feel like they didn't hit their boiling point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I feel we always reach our boiling point sometimes because we don't have that love and affection. We don't, we don't give it properly or we look for the wrong things in love. Sometimes we can misconstrue lust with love, infatuation with love. I know I'm definitely a victim of those things. And I feel in order to love someone else, you got to learn to love yourself first. That's the most important thing. I can't love you, MX, if I don't love me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Because if I love myself, I know my worth. I love. So basically, if I don't if I don't love myself or know how to love myself, how can I issue out love to you? So in reverse of that, though, if I do love myself, I know and understand my worth. So therefore, I wouldn't do unto you as I wouldn't want you to do to me. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's It's... I feel that's that's how it is. And I, I think a lot of times we just sometimes us as black people, we just jump into relationships. We don't even know ourselves yet, but we just dive into we had we nose dive into things, um, especially with things we are not used to having. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I feel in a sense, though, my mo- my mother was always in my life in a hell of a provider. I had mommy issues, you feel what I'm saying, which is very rare. Well, it's not rare, but a lot of black men are afraid to talk about it because we don't want to seem like no punk or no coward. But I grew up with a lot of mother issues. You get what I'm saying? And it didn't take me till my late adult years or presently where me and my mother are now really, really getting along and clicking how I always desire for us to be. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I'm going to ask you before you continue. What do you mm-hmm. mean, mother issues? Um, what kind? Well, I feel you know my mother. My mother is a tough cookie, so she um she was born. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she she's hard though. She she she's a gangster. She she a thug, man. So uh-huh. um her father wasn't in her life with a lot of daddy issues. You get what I'm saying? And I think a lot of so a lot of seeds that my grandfather, God rest his soul. A lot of seeds that he sold jump on to me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? It skipped her and it jumped on to me. So a lot of the anger and resentment she carried, I feel sometimes I was that guinea pig to take on that anger and everything. Like she took it out you on get, you? Yeah, I feel she didn't know she was, but she was. You get what I'm saying? Like when I when she found out I was having children by different women at around the same time, that's what she said. You just like your grandfather. That's that's all I was hearing. And I I was so broken because of that, because I'm like, damn, mom, like I thought you supposed to be on the nigga side. What you see? like you she's always been on the woman's side. You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I understand why. It took a long time for me to understand. And I feel in order to understand somebody's pain and truly they're hurt, they're hurt, even if it hurts you. You have to understand the origin of their hurt and where it comes from. You right. dig me? Mm-hmm. So I had to understand, like, she wasn't born like this. This behavior was learned. And because of her father being absent in her life, she had to be tough, not not including the fact that she was molested as a young girl, you know, uh, repeatedly molested by the same person as a young girl. So this is why she's so tough and she's so guarded. And I feel that my mom loved me so much when I started to branch out and be um, defined or be a delinquent, especially when it came to me being in relationships with with um, girls in my teenage years or whatever. 
I felt like she felt her oldest son was being snatched away because of that sense of abandonment. She felt I would abandon her the abandon her the same way her father did. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? So a lot of that anger she took out on me, and it took me years, years to understand. And I would wonder, like, damn, why every girl I'm in love with, this woman got an issue with? Can't nobody be right? And the woman that she wanted me to be with, I resented. I didn't want to be with because they just wasn't my style. And then I used to wonder, like, God, why I keep attracting these women? I were attracting women that were like my mother. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's real. It's, it's really, really deep. So I had to take time when I went to Kentucky to really understand and analyze it. And I said, my mother just needs to be loved. That's it. My father love, I feel, isn't a love because my mom is very family oriented. She's a mother bear and mother bears are kill for their cubs. But I feel my mother had a problem with abandonment issues and daddy issues. And when you got that all compound and, and one woman and trying to be a mother and, you know, being a wife at that, it's, it's hard. To- and when I made that trip to Kentucky, uh, the life, the life, uh, the life changing transformation I was going through out there, I really just sat and thought and uh, meditated on just my mo- me and my mother's relationship and on things she she went through and just started really God started speaking to my spirit and start putting everything into perspective about about why my mother was the way she is. And a lot of women that I was in love with had a lot of similarities to my mother. Mm-hmm. It seemed it seems crazy, but that's just how it was. I don't know why. I always loved tough, hard nosed women. And I started catching myself subconsciously attracting women who were either abused or molested. Ain't that some? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without me even and this and these conversations that happened months with us dealing with each other, and these women had father issues as well. So things that they fathered and provide in their lives, I was providing without even knowing. It didn't have to be financially, but just a ear, just a heart, just a just a protector, someone to hold them and tell them like, "Hey, everything gonna be okay." Like I don't want shit from you. I just really want to genuinely be your friend and care for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And 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 from that man, it was it was just crazy. You know, for um, I had got shot based on me attempting to kill the person who molested my mom when I went back to her hometown. Mm-hmm. So it it was yeah it was. It was a, it's a lot of stuff, man. It's a lot of it's a lot a lot of stuff. So how so what did that healing process look like for you and your mom when you say you have mom issues? Do you think you still have mother issues, or what does that look like for you? Um, I think I, I think I still I, I think and believe I still do, but um, it's just one of those one of those things. Me and my mom, we're at a great place right now. We're at a great place right now, and I feel like. With time, I, I feel time heals all, and I'm still going to understand my mother's past, and I believe she's watching the man that I be I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think a lot of things my mother said to me was out of anger. So me being a father to my kids now and fighting so hard for them in court was due to a lot of things my mom blurted out out of emotions. Mm-hmm. And I realized when a person is speaking out of emotions, they're not consciously thinking of what they're saying. Like this thing, what I'm saying right now, I'm hurt. So let me say this to hurt this person. Mm-hmm. Hurt people, you know hurt what I'm people. Saying? Hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And from me dealing with my mother's motherly issues, I was hurt. So it caused me to not trust women and to hurt them, you know, mm-hmm. bad, you know, real bad because of things I may have seen my mother done of things that my mo- mother put me through. I felt like, hey, you're not going to get me before I-, I get you type thing. So and it caused me to mm-hmm. not go ahead. I was going to say, no, 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 so with you realizing that now, how are your relationships with your children's mother? Oh, it's good. It's great, man. I, I get I get along with two because I have three kids. The mm-hmm. oldest one, I do, we don't talk at all. I haven't seen my daughter in two years. She put me on a restraining order in court for for no reason mm-hmm. at all, just because she just hates me for no reason. And my um my two youngest kids, I'm great with their mothers. Mm-hmm. I am great with their mothers. And I mean, just when I went out there to Kentucky, I came back and said, look, this is when I start going back to court, this is what it's going to be. I'm just going to leave everything in God's hand. Um, I apologize to them for just you know, things that I've done to hurt them. Even though I apologized before our kids were born, I still wanted to apologize again wholeheartedly to let them know, like, look, you may have forgave me for it. I'm just getting to a point in my life now where I'm forgiving myself right. That's for what real. I did to you. You know what I'm saying? For what I did to you. So I'm apologizing again. 
and I'm going to continue to apologize no matter if you get tired of hearing it. And this is just the reality of things. We're family. We're family. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I love my child, I shouldn't do shit to hurt the mother of my child mm-hmm. because my child fucks with you. So I have to fuck with you. Just off the strength my child does. <laughs> yeah. No, real talk. Real uh-huh. talk. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it was just one of them things. And, and my son, mother, she wasn't receptive to it at first. But I just dealt with her with love, man. You know, and I understood she, understood she was coming from a place of hurt. And I always was a type like, shit, you hurt me too. Don't let me start pulling out all the stuff you did to me. Yeah. But I just I just left it alone. I left it where, where it sat and said, hey, I know on my end, I made my children out of love. You know, mm-hmm. I made my my my, la- my my two youngest out of love. I'm going to say that. I made my two youngest out of love. So I, that's I'm, I'm going to give their mothers that no matter what. Whether, so just when it when it comes to the mothers of, of my children, I deal with them out of, out of sheer love because at the end of the day, we're all we're together and it's for the betterment of our child. And I want my child. I, always, I made a pack coming out of coming back from Kentucky saying no matter how me and the, the my children's mothers may be or if we having an issue or something, I'm going to just deal with them with love no matter what and smile. I always want my ch- children to see me smiling whenever I have interactions with their mother. Right. You know, I don't want them growing up saying all they did was fuss and fight because those are spirits, man. And they, and they jump on children. They jump on you. And that's again, it's behavior that's learned. If they, if my son seeing me at odds and disrespecting his mom all the time, he's gonna start feel some feeling some type of way towards me. And guess what? That same way he see how I deal with his mother, he's gonna deal with women like that, mm-hmm. you know. Or vice versa. If I'm cussing out my daughter's mom, she's gonna feel, oh, this is love, or this is how a man is supposed to get at me is by cussing me out and disrespecting me. And I'm like, nah, every time my children see our interactions, it's going to be dealt with love and smiling and, and me being genuine. You know what I'm saying? And that takes a lot of maturity. Yeah, so it does. <laughs> how did, like, how did that, how did that happen? Was that from the, was that just from the two weeks in Kentucky? Like, what do you say to a young man who is also struggling with the things that you struggle with or, um, they got baby mama issues like oh, where man. did that maturity come from like how did you learn to like okay you know what I'm a dad that it is what it is I could use that against you but I'm not mm-hmm. when did you start choosing like this is this is my journey and that that maturity where did that come from when I when I start I, when it happened to me is when I started saying like honestly fuck the music and film I'm gonna I'm a get back in college and, and be a lawyer and fight for mm-hmm. every black father who needs custody of their kid. Mm. That's that's when it took a turn for me because everybody yeah. know uh, my purpose is music and film. I love it. I feel my, I have no purpose without it. So for me to say, like, I'm going to sacrifice that to go to school mm-hmm. for eight years and just be mm-hmm. this mean, hard-nosed lawyer and fight for every black father who, like, you know, I'm like, man, I'm because I'm, I'm dealing with this in hate now. So now I'm gonna have a personal. I, I was already saying I'm not. I will never defend a woman. Like I'm, I'm gonna start a coalition and we gonna do marches. I was, yeah, I was on some heat, man. Women haters club type shit. And so, so I'm like that. That's that's not the way to do it. I, and and just going to court and looking at different stories, seeing black men cry because they can't see their kid. I think it's just all about what I, my advice that I would give to a, a young man. You have to think before seed in this woman and even with, with young black women you gotta watch the seed that's being planted into you because guess what if you don't like this dude mom your child is gonna be a part of his mother and vice versa you, you feel what I'm saying mm-hmm. like different different um generational curses that may follow each family may be onto your child so you gotta watch that so these conversations wasn't taught to me before having sex or whatever unprotected sex Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I was just just nose diving into it because it was a popular thing to do or because my cousins are doing it. I need to do it and and everything. And I even was around a lot of men, you know what I'm saying, um, in my early 20s who was just like, man, I'm, I'm going to just get a girl and get her pregnant. I'm going to plant my seed in everybody. And I thought that was cool at the time just because of the position in life or the place in life I was in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that shit isn't cool. It's bad. So. I would tell I would tell a lot of young men, you just you just got to be careful. And I even said I, I, I want to start a class on that, 
you know, to take um, take some teenage boys and women to a court, to a courthouse and actually walk them through the process I had to go through and really like walk them through it to where it's like, this is what's going to happen if you have a seed before you're married, because it's, it's so important that, you know, to not have a, a child out of wedlock because, you know, this person, if you get ready to marry him, that means you love. So I want I, I want to I wanted to start or I'm going to start in a, in a soon future, mm-hmm. um, some kind of class where I can take, you know, teens and youth to the courthouse and show them this is what happens if you get into that baby mama drama and baby daddy stuff. This is a turmoil you're going to have to go through and really have them get in line, get get the paperwork, deal with the attitudes going from this floor to that floor, you know, dealing with the the the, the almost 12 hour work shift headache of trying to get your child. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So how does that make you feel? Or, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard you say you haven't seen your daughter in two years. Yeah, yeah, my oldest daughter, my oldest yeah. daughter. So how does that make you feel now or today? What, what do you it, do? I mean, it, it, it hurts me because the last time I went to court, she blatantly lied under oath and, and just fabricated so many stories and I and I we went to court right when I came out of when I like two weeks after I came back from Kentucky mm-hmm. and I was just so in a peaceful happy place I just the judge was hitting me with the three year this three year that I just laughed and I and because it, it was nothing for me to do it was mm-hmm. nothing for me to do and I and I understood this judge was hitting every minority with this mm-hmm. the same three year restraining order and I said man the sister the 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 justice system ain't shit, and it's not for us. So what can what can I do to help uh, get it for us or prevent us from getting into the justice system or into their system? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's actually, um, I was going to say, it's actually crazy that you say that because my uncle currently right now is de- dealing with a custody battle, and he uh-huh. has full custody over his uh-huh. child, but his child was raised with the mom, and mm-hmm. uh, the mom is, um, she's a bit crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the son ran away from my uncle. And mm. he, and even though he has custody, he has went to court and they won't give him back. Um, they didn't believe that, that um, he had custody. And they still won't. And they still, it's been like three months still having. Wow. Um, um, so the, the mom basically kidnapped the, uh, the son. And, wow. Um, they won't give um, give the son back. Like the the judge well, don't believe him. Wow, he didn't uh, he didn't have his paperwork stating he, he had. Nope, that. he does. What? And I, I it's a white and black thing though with that. Oh, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> there it is. And see, that's that that shit is that shit is sad. And a lot of people don't know to get lawyers. Like when I went for my son, uh, for to fight for my son, I had so much dirt on my son's mother. She had a lawyer. And when I say like I would have sleepless nights, I'm Googling shit, I'm researching, I'm like trying to learn the terminology for lawy- lawyering and everything. I'm watching mm-hmm. movies, I'm watching Devil's mm-hmm. Advocate, Time to Kill, I'm watching all kinds of shit. No, for real, like, I'm, yeah, like, I yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I got to study. And I, and I had got so obsessed with it when I, whenever I was going, when me and her, our, our shit damn near turned into trial because I was so on point. Like I was beating out her lawyers. And it was it was so bad to the point other guys who was waiting on they, their hearing was coming up to me asking me to represent them. Mm. <laughs> you know what yeah, it was it was it was that it was that deep. And I didn't know what I was saying. I would go up there and when uh, when I'm talking and her lawyer and like cuts me off or, or or says objection, I'm like, damn, I'm saying in my head, I don't know what that shit mean, but he just uh-huh. cut me. And I'm like, he just cut me off and it's say on Google, you ain't supposed to cut off blah, blah, blah when the judge is talking. So yeah. when the lawyer started talking, I'm like, objection, Your Honor. I just started mocking what he was doing. You yeah. get what I'm saying? And so, it started. No, go ahead. What made you get out of that? Like when you said you was just going there and you wanted to be a lawyer to mm-hmm. get, I guess, kind of to kind of, um, um, like, um, I can't think of the word, but it was on some, like, you had a lot of anger and resentment towards your baby mama. How did you get out of that? I just, man, God, God pulled me out of that because mm-hmm. it's like, that's not your purpose. That's not, it's not what I, it's not what you were born to be. So how you know? were you redirected? How did you continue? What made you even go into film and to stay wow. into film? Well, I've been, I've been filming. This is like my mm-hmm. 11th year as a film director. And mm-hmm. this is, 
20 years for me in music. So it was just one of them things. I felt like this is not how I'm going to reach my people. I'm going to reach them through telling a story. And what better way do I know how to tell a story through my music and film? That's what everybody has been on all my life is just music and film. That's what our people cling to. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We, we, we don't do the, like, we the rallies and the marching. See, we didn't have the technology we have now back in the 60s, so that's all they had. They had each other. You had to sit at the table with your family and eat dinner. You had that one telephone in the household, that one TV, if it worked, with color. And if you had a color TV, you was popping in the 60s and 70s. So times are different now to where this is all we know is television and music. You feel Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That's all we know. That's what really gets our attention. And that's what really moves our, our culture of people. So I'm like, let me tell the story through this in this way in this in this fashion i start using you know i start really using music as as a therapeutic you know guide for me to get over get over the mm-hmm. situation you know in filming mm-hmm. too so when you think of that, say it one more time so i said i poured it all into that so all when you reflect back on yourself in 2016 and all the things that you said you wanted to do who you wanted to be as of 2019, when you look back, how do you feel the power of manifestation and whatnot? Oh man, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to step into my millions. I'm about to be a billionaire soon too. So it's just mm-hmm. like, and, and, and I feel so much more powerful than I did then. This is the most powerful I felt in my life only because I feel like not only, um, do I control my own destiny? But just the love I give people and the kindness. It's mm-hmm. so wholeheartedly and genuine. Like, I want everybody to win. Even even people who don't like me or want to see me win, I still love you and want you to win. Because that's right. just who I am. Yeah. I feel powerful, like, in, invincible. And I feel like you, you're supposed to feel like that when God is in your heart and when God lives through you. Yes, I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. And I'm not going to ever profess to be perfect, but I'm one step closer to it than I was in 2016. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not a sense of arrogance or nothing. I feel when you walk with God, you got to walk with a certain confidence and swagger to you to where the devil is even scared to touch you. So mm-hmm. what I do now is I warn people when they're close to me or want to be a part of the R or, or just want to want to be down with me. I say, I got to warn you. It's a lot of power I carry. So when you mess with me, the devil is going to fuck with you. That's just the realism of it. And oh, so that's you, why that's why the podcast. Yes, yes, <laughs> he's on you, MX. He's working. You. Yeah, the devil yeah. is working. All right, <laughs> he's on you. And it, 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 you didn't no, give me that warning though. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I didn't, give you, I didn't give you that disclaimer. I didn't give you that disclaimer. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. So, it's, it's it's like that. It's like that, man. And I tell, I tell my team all the time that, like, this is why sometimes I just want to be by myself and do mm. things by myself. I don't. It's it's a lot for some some people to bear. And if you don't have that strength, mm-hmm. it's hard to grow in the midst of that battle. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's it's very hard, and it's a difficult thing to do it with. But I'm just one of them people. If I rocks with you and I love you with everything I got, you ain't gonna be fighting this battle by yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So as we wrap up our podcast, I want to ask you a question. I want to know, what would you tell your past self? And you can't change what has happened, but if you could prepare your past self for the things you've experienced, what would you say to him? And you could tell me what age, too, of the person you're talking to. Um, oh, I would say, okay, 20, 20 years, 20 years old, JT. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I say 17 coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. 17 coming out of high school. Um, <laughs> your hard-headed ass is in for a lot more tears, a lot more heartbreaks, but just push through. But just push through because it's all going to make sense when you touch 30 years old. And you've been disobedient and moving the way I need you to move. They said uh, a hard head makes a soft ass. Your ass gonna be Indian red by you t- by the time you turn thirty, and you gonna know why. So I hope you listen. Or you gonna deal with another fifteen plus years of the same turmoil. So yeah, that's, that's what I would it. tell. Them. That's that's it. <laughs> okay, so I'm glad. So I hear what you say to your young self. I want to also know what words of encouragement or words of advice 
would you have and 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 we kind of already said for the person who is going through you know the baby mama drama but i also want to know some words of encouragement and advice for people who um when the devil is working right Mm -hmm. yes what do you tell those people to continue to when you say well i've been filming right and Mm -hmm. you're still filming you still stay ten time, um, ten toes down in your passion and in your film. So, what do you mm. tell those people who, when the devil is working, or they feel like the devil is working against them? What do you tell those people? How do they keep going? If if the devil, I would say, if the devil is working against you, that you're on the right goddamn path, and your blessing is 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 taking that next step. That's where your blessing is. So keep on going because I always tell people, if the devil ain't messing with you then you you ain't serving no purpose in life you're not everything is just good you 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 just you're you're you're, you're cool you're perfect but if the devil's messing with you that's because you're onto that ultimate blessing that God's had that God has prepared for you and the thing is when we go through shit the lord gives the devil permission to test us and we always forget that he gives mm-hmm. us permission because they're betting too they're betting too god is betting on you and the devil is betting against you. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. God is like, I'm pulling for this person. They, they, they got it. And Max got it today. And Max got it. And Satan is like, nah, I know she don't. And he's like, yes, yeah, she do. Watch. Because she know if she passed this test of being patient or whatever the case may be, I got some on the other side that's going to blow her mind and bless her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, because I'm going to throw this at her. Somebody cut you off or somebody do this and that. I'm He's going to keep throwing things at you. Keep mm-hmm. throwing things at you till till he see it's nothing that he can do. It's nothing he can do. I mean, I didn't deal with so so much in Max life from when when the devil constantly is throwing things at me. He goes to the bottom resort. I'm talking about equipment being stolen, deaths in the mm-hmm. family, deaths around me. And I'm just at a point now where I know I'm much more closer. So even in in the, the most the most destructive moments or the saddest moments of my life, I'm grateful and thankful to God. Because I say, I know that blessing is right around the corner. I know, I know. And trouble don't last always. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know what I'm saying? It might it might be raining for a long time, but guess what? That sun got to shine. And when it do, it's lights out. It's lights out. So that's what I would tell the person. When, whenever the devil's on you, that means you're on the right track. Keep doing what you're doing and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep pushing and don't stop. I got another one for you. What would Not you a- say to young men with mother? issues ah i would tell them to um i would tell them to sit uh attempt to sit and talk with their mom and understand her don't don't talk at her don't go at her but attempt to understand her hurt and pain and even if she's uh the non-talking mom inquire about her past like hey mom like how was your how was your you know relationship with your dad or your mom and just see just see her reaction see see how her face comes up when you bring up her father and just see certain things that may that may bring up trigger or that may trigger bad memories or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all coming from somewhere, you know, it's all coming from somewhere. And, um, if I could say, like, I listened to the podcast with you and your father and it really touched me, man. Like, cause I got a lot of comrades and, and, you know, I dealt with a lot of women who have fatherly issues and I would tell them to like, reach out to your dad because, so, I mean, I will, I would have, I would have them reach out to their, their fathers and just, you know, just see, do the same thing like for the mom. Just really reach out and see, like, what's what's going on. A lot of fathers or I dealt with a lot of women who fathers were in jail or their fathers were just off raising another family. And then when I say, well, what was your relationship like with your grandfather, his dad? And they say, oh, well, he didn't know his dad. And I'm like, well, this, there goes there goes a problem right there. How can you be a father if you never had a father figure in your life? And I said, instead of us always putting the blame and having anger towards each other. Let's just, let's just end the fucking generational curse. That's our black family for the past 40 plus years. And let's start keeping these black men in the household. Let's start being, let's start being respectable to our women. Let's start really treating them with love and care. Let's, let's really bring the the black family black back to the household to keep these men and women together and build this structure. You get what I'm saying? I do, but it's hard. What if I I get so angry? Yeah, yeah. It's it's easier to be mad. It's easier to not have you in my life and just not care. Like I don't, I don't mess with him. Cool. Yeah, I I don't care. 
and see and see that's and see that's under that's that's understandable but just how you will want somebody to understand it from your perspective mm-hmm. you gotta understand your father's perspective so is understanding excusing though oh uh, like i don't want to, like well would you become too uh-huh not not in a sense not in a sense but it's a start though it's a it's a start because once that conversation has happened and you understand his perspective and he understands your perspective now where do we go now you know because mm-hmm. now we're, we're both adults at this point you know what you did to me you understand my hurt and vice versa i understand your hurt and why you ain't been a father so now where do we go from here what steps are we going to take to better this relationship mm-hmm. are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna become a better daughter or son to our father and is our father going to become a better father to us at that point and so and just so i can make sure my uh my question was answered for mm-hmm. those people who are dealing with mother issues you're uh, you're encouraging them to go and speak to their mother about um see how they're doing and see how their um how some of their i guess relationships have been in the past yeah, like um, like like research research the origin of their mother, where the mother come from, her relationship mm-hmm. with her parents, and and look at it from from there. You know, mm-hmm. you, ain't gonna know you ain't gonna know what's inside of something unless you dissect it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times we when we dissecting things, we don't like how it looking inside. It may be gross, it may hurt, but that's how you get to the root of something is dissecting it mm-hmm. and figuring it out. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and cause, uh, and I always tell people, I think we all got baggage, and I think we all got our emotional suitcase, and it mm-hmm. just takes us to say, okay, we gonna, especially when it gets heavy, and we yeah, got all exactly. these baggage getting heavy. Eventually, you gotta stop and unpack and let some shit go. Yeah, just yeah, let it that's go. real. And that's so, real. um, I think that all the things that you are saying, they're keys. I just want to know, do you got any more gems for us? Anything you want the people <laughs> to know? Oh, <laughs> um, hey, you man, I, you better ask you better ask Kendon about me, man. We we had seven <laughs> seven eight hour conversations just dropping gems about life and everything. Yeah. I, I just um I'll I'll save it for the next podcast because I go okay. on forever. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. They ain't met Kendon yet, but they will eventually. Ah, um, yeah, yeah. Please, um, please let the people know about some of your future projects or some of your current projects that are going on. And then also let the people know where they can find you. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, um, Frank blue DVD and Blu-ray that's, um, getting ready to drop in a couple months. So it'll be out from, and also it'll be streaming on different, um, you know, streaming websites. So Frank blue will be out soon for the world to check out. Uh, please everybody when that drop, check it out. We looking to put trailers on, the Shade Room, World Star Hip Hop, everywhere so the whole world can see it. Um, also, we just uh, finished working on a film called The Council, a film that I directed. Uh, it's coming out. It's supposed to be screening and premiering at the end of April in Las Vegas. That's going to be the opening screening for the theater in Vegas is going to screen it. Uh, so The Council, uh, we're also, our production is working on a project called uh, House Nigger. And in in it's, it's a deep project. Um Call house nigger and the er on nigger is capitalized and abbreviated mm-hmm. for emergency room mm-hmm. so it's, it's going to be a very very deep project um that i want a lot of people to check out that's going to drop later this year uh i'm trying to think what else what else what else course of the just i don't know if you checked that out in max mm-hmm, i did see that yeah, course of the just is getting ready to drop and, and oh wait then out. i did not see that oh well i sent it to you uh in the, okay with this of course of the justice getting ready to drop it's a, a faith a serious uh faith-based drama or whatever um it's a groundbreaking Is that the one with the church yes with yes the... i did see that one okay i was like I... yeah yeah so it's, it's that one and um outside of the film projects we got um a comedy web series we're working on called ujima's village we're working on um working on a, a radio show called uh, Patio Politics, which is sort of like your podcast, just mm-hmm. talking about your life issues and, you know, um, bringing on um, up-and-coming artists and independent artists, so we're for the independent, for the indie, mm-hmm. for the indie, by the indie, and other than that, um, uh, I'm working on a documentary that's supposed to be released this year, um, an album, a debut album that I'm working on, Oh, it's just, it's just a lot of mix. <laughs> just so if I'm a, listen, if I'm a young actor and I'm trying to find my way, how can I find you? <laughs> at, um, at Rider for Life Films, um, at mm-hmm. R-Y-D-A, the number four, L-I-F-E Films with a Z on Twitter, Instagram, we on Facebook, 
mainly we're on Instagram, but hit us up then. And if you just want to get at me directly at on Instagram, I am J J A Y, the number five T H. If you're an up and coming actor, actress, aspiring writer, whatever, get at me. I love working with people. I love motivating and inspire people and pushing them to live their dreams in any way I can help. I will do that. I love it. I love it. And as we wrap up, please share with us, what is your word for the year? Faith, 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 faith. Why faith? (laughs) Faith, because I feel that's all we have to stand on. That's all we have to stand on is our faith. Believing, believing in the unseen, you know, it's faith. Faith is not hoping. It's already claiming that it's there without even seeing it. So faith. Mm. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, JT. And as always, people can find me on Instagram at Miranda X, M-A-R-O-N-D-A-X. And if you want to read my blog on this episode, you can go to my website at www.MirandaX.com slash blogcast. And we'll see you next week.